Happy Sabbath, church. Welcome. We are glad you are here. Uh, Let's go ahead and let's start with prayer this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just want to say thank you so much for your Sabbath. Thank you that it is like the last day of October, Lord, and I just want to thank you for um, the months that you've given us. And I ask that you please bless the next two upcoming months. And Lord, please be with me as I uh, speak your words in Jesus' name. Amen. As always, I will be taking off my shoes. Uh, When Moses meets God at the burning bush, God tells him to take off his shoes for where he is standing is holy ground. And I believe that when we stand together and when we worship together, that we are standing on holy ground. Our sermon this morning is called Equipped Exhaustion. Equipped Exhaustion. I don't know about you guys, but this year has made me tired. I am tired this year, more so I feel like than any other year in the last few years. So equipped exhaustion is what our sermon is called, and we will be looking at the story of Jonah. So the story of Jonah, so if you want to go ahead and get ready, um, that's where we will be today. We'll be in um, all four books, but the story of Jonah. The year is 1968, and it's the Olympic Games in Mexico. And the final event of the program is the marathon. The stands are packed, and electricity fills the air. And the first runner steps into the stadium. And the person who we are going to be focusing on, his name is John Stephen Aquari, and he's from Tanzania. And his story is a unique one to the Olympic Games. Now, John Stephen Aquari and the marathon ran in the, it's a marathon which is 42.1, or 42 kilometers, which is 26.1 miles. 26.1 miles. I don't know any of you guys who uh, run for fun. I do not. Running does not sound fun to me, but John Stephen Aquari is running the marathon, which is 26.1 miles. And in at kilometer 19, that's 11.81 miles, something serious happens. John Stephen Aquari all of a sudden has serious leg injuries. And it looks really bad. And yet... He continued. He continued going, knowing that he would not win this race. And he traveled the remaining 23 kilometers, which is 14.29 miles, to finish. It's hours later, and there's only a few thousand people in the stands. The sun has set. And when asked about it, John Stephen Aquari says, My country did not send me 5,000 miles to start the race. My country sent me 5,000 miles to finish the race. Like I mentioned earlier, today we are going to be talking about the story of Jonah. And Jonah has quite the journey that he goes on. 
If you've grown up Christian or in the church or have read um, some of these stories, you should know about the story of Jonah. He's the guy that we talk about with the whale, although the Bible tells us that it's actually a large fish. We assume it's a whale because whales, big fish, makes sense. And so to give you a little bit more historical background on what you might not know about the story of Jonah is this takes place during the reign of Jeroboam II, which is between 800 and 750 BC. For those of you who like history, you'll know that that is between early to mid 8th century. And Jonah actually means dove or what is known to be dove. And when we look at like the history and what that might mean more than that, um, dove can mean easily deceived and senseless. Some trivia for you. And we can see that in Hosea 7.11. It talks about um, Ephraim, which is a synonym for the northern kingdom, being like a dove, which is easily deceived and senseless. And so we see a nickname here showing a little bit of personality of Jonah. So knowing the story of Jonah, how does God come to Jonah? Well, if you know about what the word prophet means, you'll know that a prophet is a messenger of God. So prophets in this time were people who took what God had given them, these messages, and brought them to the people. And sometimes they were messages of good, and sometimes they were messages of not so good. And Jonah is known as one of 12 minor prophets. And so, 12 minor prophets. So getting into the story, we'll be starting in chapter 1. We will not be reading specifically. We'll kind of be going through. There's one part where I'll ask you to read with me specifically. But in chapter 1... God tells Jonah to do a very simple thing. He says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. Go to Nineveh. That's all he was told. I want you to preach to the people there. Jonah's like, okay, that's what I was told. At least that's how I imagined he to be to take it until I looked at the map. And I realized something very interesting about Nineveh. If you look at the map of Jonah, where his journey is, you'll see that he starts in a place called Gath Hepper. And he's told to go to Nineveh. And Nineveh sits in Assyria. Assyria is the major foreign power at this time. So Jonah who is used to telling God's people or what are known as God's people, these messages, all of a sudden God says, no, 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 I want you to go to Syria. And according to the people in which Jonah surrounded himself with, Assyria was not God's people at all. And so Jonah's thinking, wait, why me? Why do I have to go to Assyria? Those aren't even your people. Why this? Why them? Why me? And we can see that Jonah's frame of thinking changes from, I need to go to Nineveh, to I'm going to run away from Nineveh. And we see that he goes from uh, Gath Hepper to, he goes to a place called Joppa. He gets on a boat and he travels to the furthest place that that boat will take him, 
which we know to be Tarshish. And so now we're at the point of story where Jonah boards a boat. Go ahead and turn with me. We will be in Jonah chapter 1. Um, we will be reading verses 4 through 6. So this is Jonah chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. And it says, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid and tried and cried out, each to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he had laid down and fallen into a deep sleep. And the captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. May he take notice of us so we will not perish. As I was reading this, one of the words that stood out to me here was the word asleep. And so I looked a little bit deeper into this word asleep. And when you look into it, it is only used seven times in the entire Bible. And this, it's this word called radam, R-A-D-A-M, radam. And it means a deep sleep, a deep, deep sleep. We can see that it's used a few different times. It's used in Judges 4.21 when Jael takes the tent hammer to the guy's temple. Um, we see it when the Bible talks about Daniel having visions. It uses this word radam. Um, and we also see it in Psalms and Proverbs um, when it talks about not being ready. Don't be asleep lest you not be ready. Um, so we see it a few different times in the Bible. So it's interesting here that it says that Jonah had gone down below deck where he laid down and he fell into a deep sleep. This is a deep sleep. It's a super deep sleep. When I think about my life and I think about the different kind of sleeps I've had, I think about like when I was a teenager, when you could sleep 12 hours in a row, that was, that was my life. Sundays, man, I didn't get up till like one or two in the afternoon sometimes. Like teenage sleep, man. I wish I could do that now some days. <laughs> Definitely can't do that anymore. I think about when you've been like jet lagged and you are so tired and you go to sleep after you've been jet lagged and you're in a different um, time zone and you expect it to be really, really good and then it's not so good most of the time because your body's trying to get used to you being in a different time zone. I think about when I've been like so tired physically, like my body's just done. And so these different kinds of sleeps, I can imagine the captain's attitude as he walks down there and he's like, Jonah, what are you doing? We are going to go down if you don't do something. Jonah, pray to your God. And I can imagine Jonah's response in this month thinking, oh no. My God found me. That seems like an odd moment for me when it says that Jonah knew. Talk about guilty conscience there. Jonah knew all of a sudden that his God had found him. He's a prophet. And I just have to wonder, how far does one have to go to be that exhausted, that you fall into a deep sleep, that you know when you wake up that what is happening around you is caused because of you. But you don't have the conscience enough to stay awake. Does that make sense? 
Like, Jonah was able to fall asleep. That just boggles my mind. He was mentally tired, physically tired, and emotionally tired. And I've got to ask myself here, how many times have I exhausted myself by trying to take the shortcut? How many times have I gotten tired because I tried to, oh, I can just cut that off a little bit here. My sister Kelsey and I growing up were master cleaners. If our parents told us to go clean our room and we shared a room for a really long time, oh, it could be very, very clean. We were master cleaners. But more so than that, we were master disguisers. Don't look underneath the bed because you might find a lot of things that were out in the open a moment ago. Don't look underneath the dresser. Oh, that was a good one. Two inches right there. Fit some stuff in there. And often our parents knew this about us. And I don't understand why we didn't pick up on it sooner. Um, and we'd always have to go back and clean it again, which took even longer. And I just, every time I would think, if I had just done this right the first time, if we had just cleaned up the first time, we wouldn't be here. Dale Carnegie is an American writer and lecturer. He wrote, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And he says, Our fatigue is often caused not by work, but by worry, by resentment, and by frustration. How many of you guys right now have worry, resentment, frustration? Is it wearing you out? I know I do right now in my life, and I, I'm tired. I worry a lot, and I'm tired. Jonah's story shows us that when we avoid the work that God has set out for us to do, when we worry, when we get frustrated by something, when we have resentment towards something, that it's only a matter of time until our paces run out. And we exhaust ourselves in the process. Equipped exhaustion. We're getting there. So the story of Jonah goes on. We see that Jonah is tossed over. Jonah chapter 2 talks about his prayer that he has in this belly of this big fish. Chapter 3 talks about Jonah's great success because he finally decides that maybe he should do it right the first time and go to Nineveh. And we see that Jonah's reaction is recorded in chapter 4. Obviously, he's equipped based on the result. If you read in Jonah, you'll find that the people of Nineveh, who were a very, very wicked city, repent. And they come to worship God. And of course, Jonah's a prophet, so he's going to have results. I mean, he's God's messenger after all. But did Jonah actually believe that too? Did he think that he was equipped enough to go to Nineveh? I don't know. The fact that he runs away tells me either he didn't want to or he didn't think he was good enough for it, one of the two. And we know that he didn't want to based on reading the story. I've told you guys before about when I broke my ankle and the amount of tears and disappointment that I had on missing out. And while I was teaching um, over at Orcas Christian School, I had a student who ended up breaking a bone. 
And they came to me and they said, Miss Larissa, how could you deal with this? This is agony. This is, this is just awful. I can't do anything I was used to. And I, and I wondered, I asked God, is this, is this why I broke my ankle? Did you prepare me for such a time as this? Sometimes I wonder if our experience in life are not meant to pain us, but to grow us instead. Often we forget that God qualifies the called. He doesn't qual the qualified. The qualified. God qualifies the called. He doesn't call the qualified. And so Jonah shows us what can be done when we walk side by side with God, even when we try to run away and we try to hide, when we don't want to do something and we put our foot down. Jonah shows us that God equips us when he calls us. And God has called each and every one of us. When we run, we exhaust ourselves. It's what happens. And each person has a unique talent. Each and every one of you is here on earth for a reason. There's a reason you're here. And you've been placed in this specific time and space and place for a purpose. God has called you to do something. In 1968, Aquari said that his country didn't send him to start the race, but to finish it. Today, Jesus calls us to finish his mission of reaching others, not just to start it, but to finish it. And honestly, I know this, but sometimes I think, well, I can't be the only one. What about everyone else out there? It's got to be a team effort. But Aquari was just one person. One person. We don't need to be together in this moment to finish this mission. We can each do this individually. We just need to hear the call that Jesus has given. And I want you to remember that, jo that God equips the called. So I want to encourage you, church, let's finish the race. Let's finish strong, exhausted, yet equipped with what we need. In order to show the love of Christ around us, let's finish this race. Let's do it across Tri-Cities. Let's do it across the U.S. and let's do it across the world. Let's finish exhausted but equipped. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I just ask that you would give us the strength to keep going, the strength to know that you have a mission for each and every one of us, that you have called us for a purpose. And Lord, you've given us very specific examples um, all across your word. And one of those is Jonah. And God, I thank you for Jonah. I thank you that he resisted, um, that you were able to work with him even when he didn't want to work with you. God, I ask that you please be with us this Sabbath day. Um, to continue blessing us and to continue uh, this work that you have called us to do. I pray this in your holy name. Amen. Once again, happy Sabbath, church, and go in peace.